Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. My name is Daniel Foch. I'm a real estate investor and a real estate broker. And I'm joined here by another real estate investor and another real estate something. Actually, mortgage. Mortgage. How dare you lump me in with the realtors? Yeah, the realtors of the world. (laughs) I'm kidding. I love all the realtors out there. Keep sending me deals, please. So today, what are we talking about? Market cycles, ways to invest, ways to invest in a market that might not be so good because, Dan, markets come and markets go. Good ones, bad ones, flat ones, ugly ones. So as investors, how do we act accordingly? Well, what you do is you time the bottom and then you buy. Isn't that impossible? Isn't that like one of the tenets of the show that that's not actually a thing? Okay, fine. What about you listen to your realtor friend who knows when the bottom is? Nope. You listen to the coach or guru who knows when the bottom is? Still no. Okay, what about this? You buy when everyone else is buying because you don't want to miss out on the best buying opportunity. Is that uh, FOMO? (laughs) Yes. No. No, no, that's not an idea. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Those are all horrible ideas. So what do you do? From my perspective you acknowledge the existence of cycles. And I did. Uh, I just did two presentations about this one at Synergy Mastermind, which is a cool group of real estate investors. So shout out to anybody joining us from there. I'm hoping that we got some new listeners. That's why you do these roadshows. And then I also presented to the Abrazel Institute of Canada. So welcome if you're joining me from there as Thanks well. But I was talking a lot about market cycles and and how economies and real estate markets historically go through cycles. And it's easy to be an investing success when the economy and housing market are firing on all cylinders. Um, Perhaps interest rates are going down and at net negative, or sorry, real, when adjusted for inflation, negative interest rates for 30 years, perhaps. Mm, Sounds pretty good. Sounds like a great way to make, and and everybody's a rocket scientist on the way up. (laughs) But in down markets, there's a few more unique characteristics that require people to be a lot more thoughtful, a lot more calculated with their risks, and a lot more savvy when thinking about the strategy and the operations of the real estate investing. So we've been in a long bull run, uh, like decades of low interest rates, like I just mentioned, rising house prices, and an overall, I would say, stable economy. Yeah. Other than like the 08 kind of Yeah, thing. a couple blips in there. But in Canada, I mean, we didn't feel that that no, much. No, and over the course of the last few decades, it, it really has been pretty good. But- All of that has changed recently. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that we've been covering not only, of course, amazing evergreen content and real estate fundamentals, but we've also been covering the news as it has unfolded and started to tell us a story. And that story has changed. The bull market is over. People are struggling. People are selling their toys. They're canceling no. vacations. I know. I've been buying them. I have Kijiji alerts. CDs so many Kijiji have, alerts out right now. Porsches in the driveway, don't you? No, I'm not a Porsche guy. They're canceling vacations. People are working multiple jobs and doing whatever it takes to get by. And in a lot of cases, they're doing that to pay their mortgages mm. because interest rates have gone up so much. So seemingly, the party is over. Turn off the music and go home. But don't worry. The party will start again. But when? Who knows? I'll tell you, not the realtors, not the gurus, not Dan and I. But if history tells us anything, it's that recessions come and go. Good times and bad times. It's just the standard business cycle. 
Canada has experienced a total of five recessions since 1970 and 12 since 1929. And guess what? We're all still here. And each time we were in one of those recessions, so was the United States. By the way, if you do want more in-depth information on those recessions and the res- and the lessons learned from them, check out episode one, How Canadian Real Estate Performs in a Rising Rate Environment. Also, if you want to check out some more recent episodes where we've touched on recessions in a bit more depth, look at episode 129, Can Real Estate Survive a Hard Landing? Uh, we actually talked about Samuel L. Jackson quite a bit in that episode. Yeah, as well. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> uh, episode thirty: A severe recession won't make housing more affordable. So let's look at why it's a good idea to maybe keep investing through a bear market. I feel like that it's the best time. I thought you'd never say that. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, maybe a little early, obviously, but it's. I think as you can watch risk deteriorate, then that's kind of when you. You really want to be, what are the greedy when others are fearful? Something. We'll get to that. Don't worry. So over the long run, the market tends to go up and the economy grows. Another way of looking at this is that the buying power of a dollar goes down, which is probably a more time-trusted and true phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while bear markets may interrupt this otherwise bullish trend through the process of deflation, inflation typically allows these downturns to always have ended up ultimately reversed reaching new highs. And we know literally based on the central bank's mandate that they target long-term inflation of about 2 to 3%. So over time, you will at a minimum see things appreciate at that value or you ought to. By investing through bear markets, you can buy assets when they are priced lower or on sale and accumulate stronger positions. I love that. I love that line. If you're buying in a recession, you're buying it on sale. And look, recession obviously has a negative connotation, but there can be some positives that come out of a recession as well. So a recession can encourage and almost force both firms and individuals to focus on productivity and the quality of their product and service to better compete. They can push you to look for new markets and keep companies profitable. Recessions, they're very Darwinistic, right? Mm-hmm. They they would kill off the weak, per se, and force uh, evolution by natural selection. And that can encourage the creation of small entrepreneurial firms that can compete with lower costs and innovations. Um, and they can force larger companies to examine the scale of their operations and how they're managed. I mean, we've literally seen this in real time in the tech industry and a lot of other major industries that have been shedding employees like never before. Now, if you look at some defensive companies, which remain stable during these business cycles, they actually perform better during a recession. Think about like Dollarama, or if you're in the States, Dollar Tree or Dollar General. Um, it also includes food producers and, and discount retailers like the ones I just mentioned. Um, think about how many more people are likely shopping at Walmart right now than they are at like a Whole Foods or a Farm Boy. Now, nevertheless, overall decline in production and incomes coupled with higher unemployment make recessions a challenging time for just about everybody. So before we get into what you should be doing, let's look at a few people who have capitalized on previous recessions. I'll tell you, this one guy I'm about to talk about just can't stay off the show. He loves it on here. In 2008, Warren Buffett published an article in the New York Times declaring he was buying American stocks during the recession. Whew. What a cowboy. Remember, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. That's probably the 10th time we've said that on this show. His buys included, again, 2008, remember, this is, in, this is Canada. We were pretty much untouched. 
the states had it bad. So in 2008, he announced to the world that he uh, was buying and his purchase included $5 billion in perpetual preferred shares in Goldman Sachs that paid him a 10% interest rate and also included warrants to buy additional Goldman shares. Goldman had also the option to repurchase the securities at a 10% premium. The agreement was struck between Buffett and the bank when they struck a deal in 2008 and the bank ended up buying back the shares in 2011. Buffett did the same thing with General Electric, buying $3 billion at the same interest rate. He also purchased billions in convertible shares of Swiss Re and Dow Chemical, two other major global companies. And as a result, Buffett made billions for himself and his shareholders, but he also helped steer these American firms through an extremely difficult period. This guy's literally like a central bank. He, like, he's like, <laughs> he, he let's get this guy in? to yeah. be a central bank. He'd probably be a better central <laughs> yeah, he bank would do than, than most of them out there. So, Dan, Buffett did it. Who else? Well, this guy's an icon. Oh, Literal. Carl Icahn is another (laughs) legendary fund investor with a stellar track record of investing in distressed securities and assets during downturns. His expertise is in buying companies and gambling firms in in particular. In the past, he's acquired three Las Vegas gaming properties during financial hardship. So there is a bit of a real estate Mm. end, end or play there. And he sold them at a hefty profit when industry conditions improved. To prove Icon knows market peaks and troughs, he sold three properties in 2007 for approximately $1.3 billion. Hey, you know, you got to think, right? Like in 2007, he, if you're doing a $1.3 billion deal, you're selling to people who are smart too, right? You and they're, and the people buying it from them are probably like, oh, this idiot. Right? Like, yeah, a couple months these later, assets. And yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he, he multiplied his original investment. He began negotiations again during the credit crisis and was able to secure the bankrupt Fontainebleau property in Vegas for approximately $155 million or 4% of the estimated cost to build the property. If that's not buying below <laughs> replacement costs, I don't know what that's is. That's a good deal. Icon ended up selling the unfinished property for nearly $600 million in 2017 to two investment firms, making nearly four times his original investment and <sighs> apparently not finishing the property, Jeez. which is funny. Warren Buffett, Carl Icon, Jamie Dimon, Sam Zell, John Paulson, and even Grant Cardone and so many more, they all made their fortunes or doubled their existing fortunes during recessionary times. Now, you may be thinking, okay, Nick, Dan... Easy to say when you're already super rich, easy to look like a genius, but how do we take the same risks and get the same rewards as these tycoons given our capital amount? Hmm. Well, let's start to go through it. First lesson here is, you've probably never heard this one before, this is original, buy low, sell high, or- I I do the opposite. I'm a buy high, sell low guy, especially (laughs) when it comes to stocks. There's a reason I invest in real estate. Stick to real estate. Um, Okay. Remember bidding wars? Inflated markets were riddled with them. And I'll tell you, for the most part, they suck. If you're in a bidding war, let's say there's 10 people, one person wins it. Did they really even win? They likely overpaid. And in my opinion, in a lot of cases, everyone in the bidding war loses. There's nine people that lost time and energy and they're disappointed they didn't get the house. And that one person that did win, quote unquote win, overpaid. Now is the time to get real deals done. Prices are lower. Rates are higher. Consumer sentiment has shifted and opportunity is beginning to present itself like it hasn't for years. We're seeing this in real time on listings across the country with descriptions, including terms like motivated seller and vendor take back. 
Dan, we haven't seen these terms that this volume in in years or decades, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Not since the 90s have we seen the instances of people offering vendor take backs or claiming to be motivated sellers or properties being power of sale uh, than we are right now. I mean, I remember when we did our vendor take back episode, I can't remember which one it is. It feels like somewhere in the 40s, 50s or 60s episode. So quite some time ago, maybe maybe just about a year or so ago. And they were still a little known thing back then. So this is really just coming out now. There are opportunities out there and it's time to be strategic. Remember, it's always a good time to buy a good deal and it's always a bad time to buy a bad deal. And if you want more on that, we talk a lot about in episode 124 is now a good time to buy real estate. Yeah. So to me, and, you know, going back to the Buffett thing about being greedy when others are fearful, you know, the way you can get into a market that's inefficient is when it's incredibly fearful. And right now, and, you know, in those bidding war periods of times, you were seeing negative price inefficiencies where people were overpaying. And if you were wrapped up in FOMO, you could be one of them. And now you can't find somebody to buy real estate or to get into a bidding war. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but you know, for uh, entry level end user properties, they seem to be moving still, but it, there's not a lot of people competing for us in real estate investments. And so the question becomes, are we almost getting to that peak fear? And if you want to really be able to like time the bottom per se in quotes, <laughs> based on Buffett's rule of being greedy when others are fearful, you want to be looking at peak fear. And so, you know, going to that um, CNN, is it CNN's uh, fear and greed index? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, CNN business has a fear and greed index and it shows basically right now we're at fear and pretty, so we're at 32. So what is, go, can we go through what, what else is on the index here? Yeah. So you have extreme fear, fear, neutral, greed, or extreme greed. And so I wish that, yeah, so they have- Fascinating yeah, index so, here. Yeah, for sure. And so they have, uh, well, if you look here, stock price breadth is extreme fear. Strength is extreme fear. This um, is why this is why it's so important to look at things that don't really seem to have too much of an effect on the market, like people's feelings, which on a mass scale is called consumer sentiment. Yeah, the invisible hand. Exactly. Let's talk about visible hands, Dan. What do we have next year? (laughs) (laughs) Due diligence. Do it. Is that why? Just do it. I couldn't. I don't want to put just. It would be a good merch. Just do it. But it's like do like D-U-E. Like diligence it. Yeah. Just do. I don't know. Something like (laughs) that. We'll work it into a shirt. Yeah. yeah. Um, Inspections, zoning, secondary plans. Figure out what properties are investable. Spend the time because you have the time. Properties are spending more times on market. You should be doing this in any market. But you have time to be more disciplined, strategic, and thoughtful now that the rush and the craziness of the ripping bull market has subsided. So you don't have to invest hastily. So don't. I like that. I mean, this one's easy. I don't have much to add. You know, due diligence, if you're not doing it in, in, you know, this, this is just a standard. Do it in whatever market you are in, in whatever investment strategy you're doing. Um, but now you can really dive deep. And that leads to this next point where it's look for good values. Bear markets can provide great opportunities for good investors. The trick is to know what you're looking for. Beaten up, battered, underpriced. These are the descriptions of real estate assets during a bear market. And value investors, such as the great Warren Buffett, who loves this show, often view bear markets as buying opportunities because the valuations of good companies and good real estate assets get hammered down. Buffett often builds upon his position in some of his favorite stocks during the less than cheery times, which I would consider now and the immediate future in the market because he knows the market's nature is to punish even good companies by more than they deserve. So again, back to Buffett, he just can't stay off this show. 
And it goes back to if you believe in an asset based off of the fundamentals, you should love it when it goes on sale in a recession. Having the confidence that in the long term it will go up and knowing that you can make it go up. And this is again from strip mall guy who doesn't get quoted enough on the show, but I don't buy real estate because I think the value will go up. I buy real estate because I can make the value go up. So again, look for value and look for places that you can add value. There are going to be more opportunities for that than ever before. It is kind of funny. You know, it's like that. I think Wall Street bets is like where it comes from, but it's like, oh, you know, if you like this stock at a hundred bucks, you're going to love it at 50 bucks. That's I, again, I just love that saying, but it's so good because it's like, the real estate market, it's like, oh, if you liked these houses at 1.2 million, then you'll love them at 800 grand, except nobody does. And and it and it's just pure testament to the fact that people are, aren't buying the prices, they're buying the interest rates because the interest rates are double, but the prices are 30% off and nobody's lining up to buy. It's literally, it was an, uh, a market that was drunk on mm-hmm. cheap credit and now it's got a hangover. What's next year, Dan? Update your tool chest. It may be time to do all those things you've been meaning to do, but haven't had time to do because you were busy being a competitive buyer, sales professional, contractor, whatever, in a absolutely ripping economy that we had in Canada for the past three years. Caught up in a couple bidding wars likely. Yeah. And you know what? Like that was a good allocation of your time. Make as much money as you could. Make hay while the sun shines, right? But now bear markets require extra focus allocation to be deliberate and grit and having the right people in the right systems to succeed. So maybe it's time to update or implement certain things like, you know, property management, different softwares you're using, accounting, uh, maybe starting a corp that you've been meaning to. Where can you sharpen your pencil or restructure your business to operate more efficiently? right? Educate yourself with new improved skills or knowledge. There are so many great prop tech companies doing great things. They can help streamline your business, find them, use them, allow your business to grow with them. Among many other things, you know, looking at different types of deals, looking at at different structures. You know, I mean, we were just on a call with a listener, shout out to Ryan, who, you know, was talking about type of land deals that he wants to do. And I was like, if I was doing land right now, I would only be offering with vendor takebacks. Oh, for like, sure. You know, the land is very difficult to finance right now. Banks aren't lining up to finance deals that don't have anything nice on them. Nice piece of dirt. So, you know, start going after deals that, that you haven't done before and get practice doing cool structures. Because this isn't just going to be like... Everyone's like, oh, rates are going to come down and then like, we'll be back. Like it's as if nothing ever happened. No, no. this isn't like you catch a cold and you're, you're back to work a few days later feeling fine. No. Yeah. Like this is going to be, this is a sustained downturn. That's how cycles work. And so, you know, if you can start executing a vendor take back deal as an example, um, create, creating cool opportunities, maybe you can become an expert in that field and be doing it once every three years or sorry, be doing three a year, uh, for the next, uh, five years. And then you come, you emerge victorious with a great portfolio and you could educate other people how to do it or something like that. So this is a great opportunity to work on the business rather than in the business. Is that a Nikhil original? I can't, I, is it? I, I don't know. I can't, it's I can't keep to, taking yeah, credit. It's <laughs> tough to keep track of yeah. them now. Yeah. Really great stuff. Dan. the next one I want to chat about is partnerships. Why would you be looking for partnerships in a bear market? Well, because this is when the real investors come out to play. Will the real Slim Shady stand up? No, 
Let's see. Will the real estate no. <laughs> Will the real real estate investors please stand up? Back in the bull times, any was <laughs> good. Back, I like how you answer your own questions. Back yeah. in the bull times, anyone could call themselves an investor. People had no idea what they were doing. Were making massive amounts of money, but that was short lived. A bear market, a slow market a buyer's market. This will present opportunities to build new relationships. Get out and grow your network because you will find real real estate investors doing real things right now. And the people you surround yourself with now are going to be the people that you grow with and come out of this thing stronger, bigger, and better. Would you say harder, better, faster, stronger? Is that Nick original as well? <laughs> so- this is a good one, and these are this is a great one to add to the list because these people really want to hear from you because oh, they're, give, lonely, give they're lonely. They're lonely right give now. Give them a call, guys. Talk to re- talk to real estate professionals, realtors, mortgage brokers, lenders. One of the biggest challenges in buying real estate in a recession is especially stricter lending requirements. While mortgage rates and home prices typically drop in a downturn to attract more customers, lenders will often implement tighter restrictions on who qualifies for these loans. So. Use it as an opportunity to understand financing more. The best way to do that is to book time with your lenders or mortgage brokers. When money is tight, it is more important to understand it than ever. Understand the financial products that you're currently in. Are they being optimized? Can you get better terms? Do you have the best terms? Do you have the best payments? Can you get creative? Are you being anticipatory of any mortgage renewals that you have coming up, right? And maybe thinking about going in early if you're, you want to lock in a, a better rate or you know facing a, a kind of fearful renewal are you looking for an exit strategy or somewhere are you, are you in a negative am position we just did a full episode on negative <clears throat> amortizations how do you avoid that do you know the difference in cash flow what if your rate's going to jump from three and a half to five and a half or six does does your property even cash flow if you know upon renewal your your rate almost doubles so did you just get set yourself up with a segue so call me guys um i was saying on the next remember one, cash flow. that cash flow is king because if you don't know your finances and we are seeing this a lot right now, um, hearing some really sad and, and tough stories out there of would-be investors that, that bought properties and are now not even treading water anymore, fully underwater. And, and it's tough. And in a recession, you don't want to be losing money on an asset. You never want to be losing money on an asset. If you're losing money, it's likely not an asset. It's a liability. So if you're buying there, if you're out there buying new properties, make sure they cash flow now more than ever. If you have existing properties, do whatever you can to get them cash flowing. And why is cash flow so key? Well, it always is because it's literally the life of any business and it's more important in a downturn than ever. Couldn't agree more. And I think that like from an expense perspective as well, like cash flow isn't just the income, right? It's also what's going out. And I think um, mm-hmm. a lot of people... You know, it's easy to experience lifestyle creep and accidentally buy a Porsche or, whoops, you know, whatever in a bull market. And uh, I think used Porsche, used Porsches are setting new records every day. How many are being listed on the used uh, Porsche index? So, I mean, this seems to be the liquidation of real estate related vehicles going on right now. Next up, we got maximize your current assets and financing a Porsche is not that, but uh, are, are you, are all of your current properties performing well or can you 
can you squeeze something more out? Can you rent out the garage? Like I have a couple of properties in, in rural areas. Like, you know, we have one, we, we do rent out the garage for an extra 400 bucks a month. we got a barn, slap a seal roof on it and it paid for itself in less than a year. Right. Like what about literally just even land, like go put yeah. your boat or trailer or a cabin or like on that yeah, property. Exactly. Right. And that one's got a, you know, like I have a property up North and it's just like, it, it's kind of been, eh, whatever. Like we just leave it. Like it was more of a land play. It's 80 acres. So, but it's got a, it's like a triplex. So, and, but only two of the units are rented and we just hadn't spent the capex to do the basement suite and it's like oh, okay well you know contractors are cheaper than they were now because we're in a recession and so it's you know things are a bit deflationary it's like okay well why if we can we get a contractor to, to do this thing on the cheap yeah oh okay well now it's a good deal looks looks pretty appealing so yeah yeah i mean and i fully believe that you shouldn't be out there buying more stuff if your existing portfolio and existing assets are a mess, right? Figure out that before yeah. you. Or even if not, if they're a mess, but are they optimized? Like, Op- don't exactly. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, if you're, yeah, like if you're going to the next deal before your existing one is is already done, or you know, like fulfilling its highest and best use within your portfolio. That's like, it. Yeah. You know, could you spend that forty grand that you want to? You're feeling ambitious. You want to go, you know, buy another property. Could you add a basement suite to mm-hmm. that existing building and get way more ROI and set yourself up better for the recovery? So now that we've talked about maximizing your current assets, let's talk about asset classes. Now, what types of real estate asset classes perform better in a bear market? Well, let's look at two examples here, okay? Airbnbs, like you got a real sexy vacation STR, and we'll compare that to, let's say, a small industrial, small multifamily. Which one do you think is going to be more affected? Well, we know that people are cutting spending on things like weekend getaways, trips, Sea-Dews, Porsches, all the other fun stuff in life, and they are not cutting spending on their homes, the small multifamilies that they live in, or their businesses, that last mile industrial. So I would assume in a recession that the short-term rentals will likely be hit harder than some other assets. And this goes back to due diligence, knowing the fundamentals, understanding your clients, your tenants, and looking at that invisible hand, consumer sentiment. That's a major part of what really drives the economy here. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the, even the last mile piece, like I think business, the business contraction will kind of exist, but the, the one piece that doesn't, that you don't see as impacted is, is that residential, right? For sure. And so the less you can be attached to consumer spending, the better. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this, this may mean different things for different people, right? This may mean turning that STR into maybe a, medium term rental, or maybe you're likely to get a better return if you turn that SDR into a long term rental, right? Fully furnished long term rental. There's there's a lot of exit strategies for that. It might even mean liquidating that property in some cases, depending on how bad this recession is and depending on how, you know, sexy your Airbnb is and, and where it is. Uh again, those are variables that that I can't comment on on an individual basis. But Selling something that is losing you money and causing you stress is not a bad thing. Remember that. Yeah, for sure. And I would say probably the the best option for an asset that would be ba- a bad asset is to to liquidate it, right? So the next one would be accumulate with dollar cost averaging. So the most important thing to keep in mind during an economic slowdown is that it's normal for the stock market to be 
uh, have negative years as part of the business business cycle. But if you're a long-term investor, meaning the time horizon of 10 plus years, one option is to take advantage, advantage of dollar cost averaging. Well, that doesn't really work for real estate, does it? Well, it might, right? Figure out a way. So, yeah. So by purchasing shares, regardless of the price, you end up buying shares at a low price when the market is down. And over the long run, your cost will average down, leaving you in a better overall entry price for your shares. Now, obviously, this is a little more traditionally for stock investors. So how can we apply DCA to real estate? I would say that like real estate for most people is very simply a dollar cost averaging mechanism because you get the fixed price. So you're not even dollar cost averaging. You get you buy lock in the property at a fixed price, but you pay it off over time. And this is one of the reasons that Canadians love real estate so much from my perspective. And we've done this. We covered this in the buy versus rent episode. Is it actually better to buy or rent? It is actually economically usually better to rent if you're a good investor. What's the problem? Most Canadians are not good investors. Oh, no offense, guys. Say but, so. But and so if you if you look at the time tested and true, Dave Ramsey's or mm. you know Warren Buffett's or whatever, it's like save money, right? Put away a portion of your income every month. Put it into a, a vehicle, uh, investment vehicle that compounds over time. Well, what is a great way to do that? That forces you to do it. It starts with an M. There you go. Commit yourself to, and I'm not saying go buy go buy something, <laughs> but paying your mortgage and, and buying more equity in your property is buying more investment. Just servicing a mortgage payment isn't, like that's not really investing, right? It's servicing debt, but paying down more equity in the property is more property that you own. It is every time you buy equity out of your property, you're making an investment in your property, yep. right? And you have it at probably a much better price if you bought it three, four, five years ago, right? So keep contributing to that. Yeah, I mean, the only piece I'd add to this, and I want to, obviously, this is more of a Braden and Simone on the Canadian investor type of thing. They would usually talk about dollar cost averaging more than we would, but I thought it was a fascinating principle to try to apply it to real estate. Because Dan, it's not like you and I have stopped buying, right? We were buying at the peak, we were, we'll be buying at the bottom, we'll be buying on the way up and on the way down. Because again, if you're finding good deals and that price floor or the price ceiling, you're kind of bouncing around in between those, but your horizon's 10 years, which it literally says you need to be a long-term investor here. That's when dollar cost averaging comes into play. So yes, I completely agree. It's right for the mortgage, but I think you can also just apply it to buying rental properties in general. Well, and not even just buying, like it kind of goes back to what we were saying about improving the value of your property. Like maybe a year ago when you did a renovation on one of your properties, construction costs were high. Well, now you can reduce your average cost per renovated square foot by renovating when costs are low. If renovation costs are coming down because we're in a recession and trades are looking for work and so they're bidding prices down. So you can also dollar cost average down costs, right? Dollar cost average that. down. I love that. And so yeah. it's like, you know, maybe maybe there's some deferred maintenance items that you haven't been, you, you didn't want to do because of the crazy quotes that you were getting during COVID from basically from 2020 those? until 2023. Crazy. It was like, I can't afford to do any of this stuff. And now you're starting to see some deals, you know, things are looking a little bit deflationary. You can get deals on construction materials. You can get deals on trades. So maybe start you know, dollar cost averaging, investing more money into your asset into improving it so that again, you're improving the marketability of the units, you're improving the yield of the units, you're improving the value of the asset, right? By renovating, you're typically improving the value of the asset. So that's kind of how you can dollar cost average into something you already own, right? Increasing your position, increasing your exposure to the asset on something where the costs are actually coming down right now. I'm sending this episode to Braden and Simone and making sure they're they, going to like that. They can sure they agree with our, uh, they're our analysis. They're going to be buying toilets. <laughs> 
Okay, the next one, the next one gets a bit more real here because this is a very serious thing, right? We're talking about a lot of money and we're talking about a lot of risk. So invest only what you can afford to lose, right? Don't be going all in on on something that doesn't that doesn't deserve it, right? Eating and keeping a roof over your head, those should be your main priorities, right? White knuckling through this is what a lot of people are doing. And if you're out there taking risks unnecessarily, it will come back to bite you. So it's unwise to take short-term money and invest it into real estate assets. It's been it's been unwise to do that for a long time, but now more than ever. As a general rule, investors should not get involved in investments unless they have a investment horizon of minimum five years, preferably longer. And Dan, what else is five years that we've talked about quite a bit on the show? The average Canadian mortgage term. Oh, that's it. So I, I I would think of this as like you're going out for some drinks with the boys, and it's or gonna the be, girls. It's going to be one of those nights, and you only want to bring as much cash as you can afford to lose. <laughs> that's the kind of market we're getting into. It's getting a little crazy out there. So in Toronto, if you're going for four drinks, that's about two hundred in cash. Sure, I got to go start drinking somewhere else in the country but, here. But you know, like just in case you are going to light it up, you, you got to. <laughs> That's where you put the, that's your stop, your, yeah. uh, whatever you call it. Uh, that's, that's the way I operate in the casino. You know, that I, I go yeah. in with like a hundred dollars. I, I like a couple twenties in, uh, and I go hit roulette yeah. and I either play until I've hit a certain amount winning or I play until I've lost and I get up and leave. There you go. You, that's your, what do they call those? Stop losses. That's it. Look stop loss. Just Should only cash. No, no debit cards when you're going out Should for some a stock investing podcast here. We're, we're treading yeah. on some thin ice with our podfathers here. So be a shark or a vampire, perhaps. Did you know there's like these- Vampire nor, nor, sharks? No, no, no. That, is, that would be crazy. Like <laughs> Sharknado or whatever. No, this is actually crazy. So I don't know if maybe this is where people thought vampires used to um, fly around, like they're giant bats. This is, do you know about this? I, okay. I, so, I don't. So Nora watches like YouTube kids on her, on her iPad a lot and loves learning about animals. And there's this bat. It's, it's like a, it's, I think it's called a flying fox. Dude, look this up. Seriously, it's a human-sized bat. It Why exists. would I want to look that up? That is terrifying. Right. Anyway, be that. That's what we're saying here. What's the common theme here? Blood. Wait for it. The blood in the streets. The blood in the water. Is that a poem? Just wait. <laughs> now, where does this idea come from? I had to take this one because it's a little history lesson, and I tried to work some Latin into this one, but we'll save that for another episode. So- the time to buy is when there's blood in the streets. That was said originally by Baron Rothschild. Now, if that's not- Chill name. <laughs> a chill, super chill guy, super chill name. This was a famous and evergreen quote by Baron Rothschild, who is an 18th century British nobleman and member of the famous and sometimes infamous Rothschild banking family. Dan is moving the computer over and showing me the human-sized <laughs> flying fox, which is extremely distracting <laughs> and terrifying. Yeah. Rothschilds. I mean, nobody's ever heard of them. Rothschilds. Not there like we they go. were good at making money or anything. Uh, Rothschild made a fortune by buying in the panic that followed the Battle of Waterloo against Napoleon. So again, buying in a recession. But that's not the whole story. The original quote is believed to be buy when there's blood in the streets, even if it's your own blood. This is a contrarian investing at heart, the strongly held belief that the worse things seem to get in the market, the better the opportunities are for profit. 
These guys like bear markets though are like wars. Like his, this guy yeah. probably got stabbed in the leg. That's probably what he meant. He was bleeding. Like, He's like, time to buy. <laughs> All right, Napoleon, let's go buy. Um, contrary investors have historically made their best investments during times of market turmoil and the crash of 1987. The Dow Jones dropped 22% in one day in the US in the 1973-74 bear market. The market lost 45% in about 22 months. Oh, and by the way, it's estimated that the Rothschild family once had a net worth between 500 billion to one trillion dollars in today's money so not they, a lot they, they know a thing them. or two about uh some shillings back yeah. then yeah that's that's huge i guess that's an, i'm assuming that's inflation adjusted yes, a lot inflation of money adjusted, back then. yeah okay next one is play dead i like that i mean <laughs> bit, you know but well, you've seen that movie sure without a paddle bat. you know without a paddle yeah, right yeah. like when the the guys like grizzly bear play dead because then it doesn't want to right that's, bear market that's, that's it you're, that's it right here you're a literary genius so during a bear market the bears rule and the bulls don't stand a chance there's the old saying that the best thing to do during a bear market is play dead it's the same protocol as if you met a grizzly in the real woods Fighting back would be very dangerous. Don't Human do beings it. do not <laughs> do well against grizzly bears. And we don't know if we're in a black bear market. I mean, a black bear, you might, I, don't, I probably still wouldn't try it, but. I like, if it's may, a grizzly, there's no chance. No chance. Like, but maybe a panda bear market would be. Would be I think pandas are pretty vicious too, actually. Just give them some like bamboo and they'll be chill. True. By staying calm and not making any sudden moves, you'll save yourself from becoming a bear's lunch. Like that? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's you like how I gave you that one to read? Yeah. Okay, so kind of wrapping things up here, investing in a recession can be a good idea. It can be a great idea. It can be risky. Here are kind of the three circumstances that you should be abiding by if you do plan on investing in this bear market. One is you have plenty of emergency savings. You should always aim to have at least enough money to cover three to six months of living expenses. And if you've got investments that are possibly going underwater, you're going to want some backup expenses for that as well. The second is you're not planning to touch your portfolio for at least seven years. Now, Dan, why is seven years a a good number for us here? You, you break a mirror, seven years, bad luck. That's exactly why. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that that's typically probably the recovery period to get back to a lot of these like real market like full bear market or market cycles i mean look at the 90s in canada yeah, right from trading sideways nominal right? yeah nominal price took 12 years to get back to the peak right yeah so they say the recession only it, lasts what six to 12 months on average but that's just the bad part well that's yeah that's while things are still going down exactly right so and then so if you got th you know two years of going down or even 12 even a year of going down i mean house prices have been going down pretty well uh, for a, a year and a half now. And if they continue on that trajectory, you know, there's been some bouncing already and whatever, but if they continue on that trajectory, if you, if you see the bottom at the end of 2025 or end of 2024, sorry, as an example, so end of next year, um, and it follows that nineties trajectory, it would be seven years to get back to the yeah. top. Right. So, yeah. um, I think it just kind of weeds out a lot of the, like the volatility, um, by estimating a long horizon and it kind of like, um, forces people to not be paper hands, right? For sure. And the only thing I'd add to that is we've talked about this endlessly. Real estate is a long-term game, right? Seven years might seem like a very long time, but if you consider that your mortgage is only five, you're just into your second term, which is where things start to actually get a lot better. You start to build equity. You're actually paying down a lot more principal. So seven years for me is a 
pretty good benchmark to go off of. The last one I'm going to leave you guys with is don't, and this is from like our friends at, you know, TCI. So Braden and Simone, who are amazing stock investors, people like Bridget Casey, who provide a lot of advice on, on the market. They always say this. So I took it and tried to apply it to real estate. Don't be obsessively checking your portfolio. Well, real estate doesn't come in a nice little portfolio online. So I would just apply this to say, don't be obsessively checking your real estate assets. Again, up and down here today, gone tomorrow. We're in this for a bare minimum of seven years. Sorry, I shouldn't say bare minimum. We're in this for a minimum of seven years. So stick with it and look at the long term. Dan, any final remarks here? I got none other than um, make sure you check out Flying Foxes, man. They're crazy. <laughs> They're scary. Check out the link in Tell the you. show notes for our merch <laughs> and our course and also Wikipedia human-sized flying bat foxes if you're looking to have a nightmare tonight. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.